All right, everybody, welcome to the Backseat Huddle Podcast, episode 31. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Tristan Weber, and this is the first show of the offseason. I've had some people privately ask me, hey, what are you going to talk about on the season's over? And the answer is offseason stuff. So here's what you can expect to hear from me this offseason. You expect to hear from me about free agent moves, player movement, player retirement, coach movement, any major offseason storyline. I'll also be talking about the draft a little bit. I don't watch enough college football for me to be able to be like, hey, this team's to draft this. You know, I don't feel comfortable talking about a lot of pre-draft stuff, but I will be talking to you guys about post-draft things, especially if something weird happens, like, you know, when the Patriots drafted Cole Strange in the first round. That was a little weird, or if any weird type of draft situation happens, I will touch on that a little bit. Uh, but aside from that, this season, I'm also going to talk about a couple more free-flowing things, just some other ideas I've had. Just some examples you can expect to hear about how, for me, how the NFL is becoming too quarterback-reliant, uh, how we can expect to see more and more Patrick Mahomes archetype quarterbacks in the future, why Tom Brady chose the right time to retire, Things of that nature you can expect to hear from me this off season. Okay, so there's the answer to that question. But enough blabber about that. Let's just go ahead and get into today's show. All right, so I'm going to start today's show off by talking about Eric Bieniemy because this storyline really rankles me and rubs me the wrong way. Now, to start, I'm not going to act like I'm a huge Chiefs fan. I'm not going to act like I've watched every Chiefs game, and I'm not going to be up here saying how Eric Bieniemy is the greatest offensive coordinator ever, and he's the best this, best that, because I don't really know Eric Bieniemy like that. But... Eric Bieniemy deserves a shot at being a head coach, and I think what he's having to go through is a little bit wrong. Okay, it seems as though the argument against Eric Bieniemy is that he's been the offensive coordinator for Kansas City while they've had Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid, and that's basically saying you know that that offense will work regardless. And that's such a weak argument; it's almost offensive, and there's no pun intended there. The argument seems to be that Patrick Mahomes is so great and Andy Reid is so great that any offensive coordinator could work under those guys, which I guess I could understand, but we haven't seen that affect other guys who have had excellent players. D'Amico Ryans and John Gannon, the former defensive coordinator for the 49ers and the Eagles respectively, this season had arguably the two best defensive rosters in the NFL and both landed head coaching jobs. So why wasn't a similar argument presented against them? And it's an offensive league, and they're defensive guys, and they're arguably coaching the wrong side of the ball in today's game, and they still got a shot. There are going to be some that say, well, Andy Reid is the guy that makes the offense go, and he's the one who calls the plays. Okay, fine. But that hasn't stopped Bill Belichick's defensive coordinators and assistants from getting high at other places. Matt Patricia, Eric Mangini, Romeo Cornell, and Brian Flores have all gotten opportunities as a head coach despite being defensive assistants under Bill Belichick, who we know 
runs the defense in New England. And now you're thinking, but Tristan, those are bad examples. Those head, those guys weren't any good at as head coaches. But have you seen Andy Reid's coaching tree lately? Being on Andy Reid's coaching staff is a good thing. 11 of Andy Reid's former assistants have gone on to get a head coaching opportunity in the NFL. And of those, I can name two that have Super Bowl rings as a head coach in John Harbaugh and Doug Peterson, and two others that have had a Super Bowl appearance as a head coach in Ron Rivera and Nick Sirianni. That's almost 40% of his assistants as head coaches who have gone on to have a Super Bowl appearance, which feels like an astronomical number. So it almost feels like based on that alone, you need to hire Eric Bieniemy based on the percentage, which is not at all how it works, but it felt good to say. You know, it felt like it had some good strong pal to it. But that's not how it works. I'm I'm really to this point, I'm really not. I, I really don't understand the argument behind Eric Bieniemy not getting a head coaching job in the NFL. Like at this point, is he just a terrible interviewer? I don't know, and I don't understand what we as just fans are missing with this guy. And it feels extremely deflating that he feels he has to go to the Washington Commanders and coach lesser guys because he feels that he has to prove he can succeed. Eric Bieniemy feels he has to prove he can succeed without Patrick Mahomes, without a great offensive roster, when other coaches have not had to go to those lengths to prove that they can coach. I feel bad for this guy. And it feels like having multiple top five offenses, two Super Bowl titles, multiple number one scoring offenses as an offensive coordinator, and he can't land a job as a head coach. It just, it just feels silly to me. It feels silly. So let's move on from Eric Bieniemy. Like I said, that that rubbed me the wrong way. That's why I got a little bit spirited. I'd like to talk about the tush push QB sneak which is what the Eagles have done all season long with their weird QB sneak, and that's what they're dubbing it. I don't want to talk about this for long, but it feels like there needs to be a rule in place to prevent this play from happening. People aren't going to like it, but the and the Eagles deserve a ton of credit for running this play with the effectiveness that they did, but this play has just got to go. It's not good for the sport. Everything about it sucks. It's too automatic. It's too overpowered. It's too unstoppable. And like I said, it's just not good for the game. The NFL, as it is, is too heavily leaned toward the offense. And there shouldn't be a literal unstoppable play to go along with it. Let's put it in perspective. If there was five downs instead of four, the Eagles could probably just run that play over and over and over and over again and nothing else and still put up points and win the game. It just doesn't feel good in the spirit of the game to have something that feels automatic on short down purposes. If it's fourth and one with the game on the line and the offense comes out ready to run this play, it shouldn't just take all the wind out of the stadium because you know it's coming and you know it's going to work. It's just kind of a gut feeling and it doesn't feel good, you know? Secondly, the play optically, it isn't fun to watch. This is a rugby scrum in football, and I don't mean that in a good way. I was watching the Super Bowl 
with a few guys who don't really watch football. And on more than one occasion, while the Eagles were running this play, I had to explain to them where the ball was, who had the ball was, who was running the play. They weren't sure who had the football. They weren't sure if the guy crossed the line to gain. And it was just confusing for them. And this is not me suggesting that the game of football should just be catered to those who don't watch. But someone who does not watch the game should at least be able to tell who the ball carrier is and where the ball carrier is at. It's also not fun to watch from an experienced viewer standpoint. I'm going to put the play back on the screen again. And sorry to audio listeners. And tell me if they this this play, tell me if this play is fun or has any level of excitement for you to watch. No, it doesn't. Unless you're an Eagles fan, if you're like me at all, you're probably thinking this shit again. And if you're not thinking that now, you will be thinking that when the play gets run for the 40th time. The regular QB sneak has a very high success rate, and we don't need something pushing it into automatic, basically automatic territory. The play, it's just got to go. It's got to go. That's all I have to say about the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that's all I have to say about the tush push. I'd like to, my final topic, I'd like to talk about DeAndre Hopkins for just a second now. So the no trade clause for Cardinals all pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins contract has voided due to his six game PED suspension last year. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, I'm going to assume that most of you do. Uh, under normal circumstances, if a player has a no trade clause in their contract, it doesn't technically mean they can't be traded. It means the player would have to be okay with being traded, then void the clause, and they can be traded, which is what we saw with Russell Wilson last season. He had a no-trade clause but wanted to be traded and therefore got to pick which team he was okay going to, and he told the Seahawks, hey, work out a deal with these teams, and then they, the Seahawks made a deal with the Broncos, which is one of the teams that Wilson was okay with, and therefore the Seahawks were able to trade him despite the no-trade clause. Get it? Basically, the no trade clause just allows the teams to choose which teams they're okay being traded to, assume they are okay being traded. DeAndre Hopkins now no longer has that option. The Cardinals can, and with their cap situation, likely are going to trade him to the highest bidder. And there's two teams that need to do everything that they can to get him, and two teams I feel could be dark horse candidates and need to at least take a look at getting DeAndre Hopkins. The first two teams are obvious. Number one is Baltimore. Shout out to Kai. If the Baltimore Ravens manage to bring back Lamar Jackson, which seems to be up in the air at the moment, they need to get him a wide receiver one, which, which Hopkins very obviously is. We have seen teams with young quarterbacks, and Lamar is still young. We've seen teams bring in legitimate number one options, and it completely changes everything for their quarterbacks. And there's some very recent examples. Dolphins bringing in Tyreek. Tua has a career year. Eagles bring in A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurts makes a Super Bowl, has a career year. Bills brought in Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen had a career year that season. It very much feels like DeAndre Hopkins could very much have that kind of impact for Lamar Jackson. The second team that needs to do what they can to bring in D-Hop is obviously the Bears. The Bears are allegedly looking at trading Justin Fields, which could bring in some needed draft capital slash trade ammunition to go and get D-Hop. And if the Bears do trade Fields, 
they will very likely be bringing in another young quarterback with that number one pick. And it would obviously behoove a young quarterback to be able to walk into Chicago and have an established wide receiver one like Hopkins, a solid wide receiver two option in Chase Claypool, and then a good to very good young tight end in Cole Komet. And then even if the Bears don't trade Justin Fields, all of that would still be applicable for him as well. You are surrounding whatever young quarterback you have in Chicago with a rash of weapons and are providing him with the support base that they would need to succeed. Those are the two obvious teams that need to go get him. Here's two teams I feel like should at least take a look at going and getting DeAndre Hopkins. Number one is the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers clearly have wide receiver weapons in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but those two have something in common. They're never healthy. So while DeAndre Hopkins would be perhaps an unneeded luxury in Los Angeles, he would at least bring some stability to that wide receiver room. The best ability you can have is availability, and Justin Herberts would at least have someone he can rely on being on the field. And apparently Hopkins is very interested in playing there as well. So it at least seems like a mutually good fit. The final team that absolutely doesn't need DeAndre Hopkins, but should consider trading for him is the Philadelphia Eagles. I can hardly consider a team that does not need DeAndre Hopkins more than the Eagles, but hear me out. This would likely be a one-season type of deal where they trade for DeAndre Hopkins and then the Eagles push a bunch of that cap hit that they're going to get from the Jalen Hurts contract a little bit down the road, and they try to run it back just one more time this season with as much offensive weaponry as they can. It's worth a shot, and maybe I'm just being crazy, but if you're the Eagles and you come up just short in a Super Bowl where you only scored 11 points in the second half, I would have to consider adding another big-time playmaker. And the Eagles have the draft capital and trade ammunition to go and try to get D-Hop. They have two first-round picks this season. I don't know that I'll give up both of those, but maybe a one and a two this year to get a player like D-Hop. I don't know. Maybe that's just me being crazy, but it's fun to speculate. So that's it. That is my show today. Once again, feel free to like and subscribe. Take care, everybody.